how are to, you? I, I'm good. Hello and welcome <laughs> to Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice. I work at Above the Law. I'm joined by Catherine Rubino, who conveniently works in the same place. It is pretty convenient. Yeah. Since otherwise, I'm not sure that this podcast would be a thing. It probably wouldn't. Uh, we aren't joined by Chris today because we uh, are kind of in a hurry to get this episode out, and he wasn't available on the shortest of shortest notices, uh, as you may know. I don't know if you're all listening to this as it comes out, but if you are, uh, you may have noticed that we're a few hours late. That's because we've been... Everything's really only a matter of hours, Joe. In a grand scheme of things, it's all hours. Another, I mean, it's, it's a day late. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I mean, that still can be counted as hours. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm just giving you a little grace there. I mean, you should. Uh, the point is, we're a little late, but that's because we've been doing other things that took up a lot of our time. Well, like we what? Did. I attended the Cross-Examination Debate Association's National Championship this weekend. It's you I didn't really get cut me off. You let me say the whole thing. So well, that was I was going to nice. let you get that out. And then, and then yeah. yeah, and this yeah. is a small talk. It's true. Uh, we've mentioned before that uh, we are debate coaches and the national championship was this weekend. So went to George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. Uh, to the home of... Ass Law Law School. That's correct. But, uh, that is correct. We did not go to the law school. So. We did not, but we did attend the competition, and uh, Wake Forest Demon Deacons won their first ever uh, cross examination debate association national championship. Yeah, and so that was nice. So that was congratulations. Yeah. So yeah, that that took up a lot of our time for years. We've actually helped administer it, so that Correct. was why it was busy for us. Uh, Very so busy. Sorry, but everybody. It was, it was the other thing, which I know we have talked a lot about, sort of the the post COVID world and and that kind of stuff, and. Mm-hmm. It almost felt like we're nearly there. The majority of the participants in the tournament were in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the final round took place between two teams that were in person. As I said, Wake Forest debated uh, Michigan in the finals with nine judges that were all in person. And yeah. it was, it almost felt, uh, you know, we partied like it was 2019. Yeah. No, it, very good. Uh, it did start to, it was one of the, those early times where you felt like, you know, Vaccines worked. We can all be back together. Yeah, it, it was they very did good. have a vaccine mandate and of some course. testing that you had to do in order to attend. But it was very much worth it, I think. Yeah. So anyway, point is that's why we're late. So let's talk about some of the stories that happened last week. Uh, yeah. Oh wait, this. I guess I should say that as we transition yeah. to that, let's conclude small talk. Yeah. Uh, you. I don't understand how you still get mad. At this point, you have to kind of just get used to the fact that this is going to happen. First of all, rage, rage against the dying of the light. Dude, never give in. What am I going to give in to the terrorists over here? Absolutely not. You continue to be irritating. I will continue to be irritated. Yeah. That is just facts. Straight facts, friends. We already, yeah. Fair enough, so. What is something else that's irritating? Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah, uh, that's where I was going with that one. Yeah, so we had a really, since our last podcast, we had a really mm-hmm. interesting exchange uh, involving the newest justice of the Supreme Court to the extent that Ketanji Brown Jackson won't take office until the conclusion the, of the term. Right. So for now, it's still ACB. 
ACB decided to follow up her appearance at the Mitch McConnell event saying that it's wrong that people think that justices are partisan with showing up at the Ronald Reagan Library to say that judges aren't partisan. And you'd realize that if instead of just looking at the outcome, you would read the opinions where they detail exactly why the law mandates that they reach these conclusions. I don't want to compliment you. But you completely accurately described what was going on there as brazen gaslighting. And I just think that is quite the accurate turn of phrase that's very evocative and completely accurate. Yeah. So the timeline of events is she makes the statement. I immediately write a story about it saying that this is the aforementioned brazen gaslighting. The reason, of course, being that while one could say we can read the opinions and from time to time they may be you know, not completely disingenuous and cynical. That said, the most consequential decisions that ACB has been a party to at this point are decisions on the so-called shadow docket, which is the emergency applications uh, that the Supreme Court gets. You know, if there's somebody who is going to be executed that night, uh, you can't go through the whole system. And there, you know, there's a mechanism, therefore, for the Supreme Court to walk in and say, we can make an interim quick decision on this emergency that has come up. Mm -hmm. That's what it's there for. What has happened over the last several years is that the primarily conservatives on the Supreme Court have decided to utilize this emergency application process to do whatever they want uh, without the benefits of having to wait for things to be briefed, wait for lawyers to make arguments, go through the process of writing opinions that clarify what they're doing. They can just rule on the merits without having to actually go through the process that the Supreme Court is supposed to go through. So these kinds of cases are most of what ACB has been a party to. Mm -hmm. So when she says, judge us not by the outcome, but by the opinions, one has to wonder what she means by that. Is it the opinion that they issued in one recent case that was a paragraph long, the one that they recently put out that was one sentence? Which of these opinions have that- Which detailed non-opinion. Detailed, really useful- And half of those aren't even signed, Yes, Yes, and a lot of these are unsigned per curiam opinions where they say, you know, we all agree that this is what's happening. Well, not we all agree. We all who are on board with this one sentence result agree. Uh, A lot of the times, the only details we have of the process are coming from the dissenters who choose to say, whoa, this is messed up. That's not really how this is supposed to work. Uh, If you've ever read a bunch of Supreme Court opinions, the majority opinion is usually the long, detailed one, and then there might be some short and pithy dissents. Uh, With this process, some of the most consequential things out there, the vigilante abortion law in Texas, for instance, uh, several decisions about what maps are going to be used in the upcoming midterm elections are being decided Uh, A lot of vaccine mandate challenges are all being decided on this shadow docket process where no one is seeing what the majority's reasoning is. No one's hearing how the majority got there. And to the extent we learn anything, it's after this one paragraph, there will be a response from usually Justice Kagan or, or Justice Sotomayor saying like, yo, here's what's happened. This is messed up. And that's the only set of details we end up having. It's really problematic then when Justice Barrett is saying, 
judge us by by these opinions when they don't exist. Anyway, back to the timeline. So I write this decision, and I get a lot of flack from people saying, I think you're overblowing this. And then the next day... Yeah, Louisiana versus American Rivers The next day they issue Mm -hmm. a shadow docket opinion that is a paragraph long. Tell us about what's going on there. Yeah, that was a Clean Water Act case, and they used the shadow docket basically to undo about 50 years of precedent on the Clean Water Act. Uh, Basically, under Trump, there was a rule saying that the the established uh, guidelines about whether or not, so usually the states and territories, if there's going to be any potentially destructive projects to uh, the environment, they have there's a process by which they can stop those destructive projects. Uh, under Trump, the EPA significantly reduced the ability for states and territories to stop those projects. Under Biden, the EPA said that they were going to review and potentially rethink about this rule. The district court said, yeah, you probably can do that. And before the appellate court even had an opportunity to issue a decision either way, as the case is winding through, a group of trade groups and red states filed this appeal to the Supreme Court and a majority of Supreme Court justices in a paragraph agreed, saying that the EPA did not have the ability to do that, uh, which basically upends, as I said, years and years of precedent. And this is how bad it is. John Roberts signed on to the dissent, which was penned by Elena Kagan, saying this is absurd and not at all kind of what we were supposed to be doing. Yeah, like, and John Roberts is not a fan of the Clean Water Act. I would assume Mm -hmm. he will ultimately agree with this decision. But enough is enough. Uh, And Justice Kagan's dissent makes a lot of strong statements about how if this is what we're going to do, then this is no longer an emergency. This process of dealing with emergencies has become an end run around being forced to deal with potentially bad public relations of having to write an opinion that is clearly going to be yeah, and, and superficial. And the entire docketing process is is not done. There's no full briefing. There's mm-hmm. no oral arguments in these emergency cases. And doing an end run around that, I think, is incredibly problematic. And apparently, John Roberts agrees. Yeah, and the problem here, of course, is that she gets to say this and become a soundbite. Mm-hmm. And this soundbite gets to be repeated. Oh, no, just read the opinions. No one's going to bother to figure out that they aren't really writing any opinions because nobody's ever going to read these opinions anyway. What gets to happen is outlets like Politico or Axios or whatever get to have a headline that says, Barrett says the opinions are really useful and genuine and people should consider them. And that way, some... Yo-Yo out there who does nothing but read the headlines is going to shut down any criticism of this court by saying, well, you know, if you really read the opinions, you'll learn a lot. It's just a lie. And it's mm-hmm. a lie that is going to be repeated and, and never followed up on. And we just tell a citizenry need to arm ourselves against the ridiculousness of this. And we need to make sure as many people as possible know when that battle of the wits happens that one side is 
completely unarmed. Yeah, and I think that's why it is correctly termed as gaslighting because, mm-hmm. you know, there, Amy Coney Barrett's speech, and she knew this was happening, right? Like, she she knew this was all, that this is all true, but only wants to point these very public statements, which are pretty limited, frankly, the amount of times that, you know, Supreme Court justices say stuff in these public forums is pretty limited. The majority of what they should be doing are these decisions. And instead of being able to, you know, make the argument in these fully briefed cases, She's doing it to just get a headline, right? Because they, you know, studies have proven that most people only will remember the first thing that they hear about a topic, not the follow-up that debunks it, right? That you know, mm-hmm. it's that kind of notion that the the follow-up that debunks it appears on page A seventeen, while the first one was the headline, right? And it's true, and it, you know, it's different. You know, we are in fact attorneys; we write for that audience. But she was not speaking to attorneys. That was not why she said the things that she said. She wrote so that the average person who does not have a law degree, who is not aware of the shadow docket, would be influenced, have it form an opinion about what is currently happening on the court without having a ton of information about what's actually happening on the court. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting to see that Roberts has reached the limits of his patience. Uh, we have seen a bit of that with some of these. On the other hand, he's uh, he's joined his share too. It seems as though perhaps Justice Kagan has developed a Roberts whisperer power uh, and sure. is able to <laughs> convince him of the abuses when these abuses really happen. Yeah, I, I do think that was interesting and probably for folks who are super detailed court watchers, I think it is particularly noteworthy. One of the things that I know Mark Joseph Stern called attention to is that Elena Kagan did not use the term shadow docket, you know, because a lot of conservatives uh, object to that term to use the emergency powers of the court. So Kagan did not use shadow docket, even though that's exactly what it is, and instead used the terminology that conservatives prefer, which is fine, but because I think it was ultimately much more powerful to get uh, Robert's on board. Yeah, Robert's yeah. on board. No, I completely agree. And uh, oh, oh, phone's Are, ringing. Oh, you got to get that. You going to no. get that? No. Uh, you know why? Why? Because I have a virtual reception service that's able oh, to do that for me. Oh, how convenient for yeah, you. It, it sure is. And I think we should hear more about it from posh receptionists. As a lawyer, ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call when you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting. That's where Posh comes in. We're live virtual receptionists who answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. And the Posh app lets you control when your receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Start your free trial today at Posh.com. So. That was slick, man. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's it's what I do. I'm a professional. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, are you though? I don't. I mean, I don't think we need to get into details about what a profession is. But sure. <laughs> so anyway, uh, moving from the courts to the law schools, uh, we have unfortunately to talk. We unfortunately have to talk about Yale Law School again, which is a subject that. I enjoy talking about similarly to the level of of my enjoyment of chewing glass, but I feel like I have to do it on an almost weekly basis these days. You know, last week we talked about how Harvard fell in the latest U.S. news rankings, you know, all the way from out of the top three. But 
it, it seems to me as if Yale is doing its darndest to ruin its own reputation. Well, it, I mean, yeah, like it. And I think I think the issue with Yale is uh, half the country's deciding that its reputation is ruined for reasons that it's not. And the other half is uh, doing what it can to be really damaging. And so we've talked about all this before. There, there was this member of a recognized hate group who was invited on campus to speak. People showed up and protested that. The media decided to jump on the idea that they were quote unquote shouting down the speaker. Uh, reality eventually came out that they protested loudly before the event began. They were told, please so leave. Didn't, didn't shut it down if it was before it. Had been, yeah. It then we're told to please leave. And then they, you know what they did when they were told to please leave? I'm going to go with left. They left. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. At which point the event continued all the way to its conclusion. They actually ran the whole thing all the way to the end. Interesting, I mean, huh? it's this kind of cynical misleading, and it, it's similar in a lot of ways, which we did not plan, but there is that kind of through line between the ACB story yeah. uh, and, and this one. It's not, it, it, yes, it's gaslighting, but it's also trying to capture the headline and create mm -hmm. a narrative that reality doesn't support. Yeah. So the students did continue a protest outside. There had been kind of people saying, yeah, well, they were outside, but it was still pretty loud. Sometimes it was hard to hear in the room. That said, amazing. they still had left. And secondly, there's a policy at Yale that students basically have a, a three warning policy. And if you got this one warning, if they still were being disruptive, you know, other warnings could happen, at which point punishment would follow. It's almost after like the it third. was a time, place, and manner yeah. restriction. Yeah, you know, oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. like how how things are supposed to work. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's almost like you know people who read the Constitution and the associated case laws were involved. Yeah. So the problem, though, arises that some obviously the the media and the people who weren't there are all calling for these students to be disciplined for you know exercising their free speech right over an issue that is at least somewhat of interest, which is uh, let's, you know, say that people who belong to hate groups are a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, seems like a good thing to do. Anyway, people on the outside, whatever, they're following this kind of made-up narrative. The most recent story, though, was that a Yale Law professor, a member of the faculty, has suggested that what need to the, you know, argued to the dean that what needs to happen is some sort of discipline and punishment for these students. Mm -hmm. The interesting twist is that this particular professor who did this is the professor who issued the first warning, but more importantly, chose not to issue a second <laughs> or third one. So this it's is almost the, like when she was actually acting in the moment, she was unaware that she could use this as a political football in the future. Yeah. 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 It, well, like it, this is, this is beyond cynical and disingenuous. And this is the sort of thing where this person should be ashamed of themselves and ridiculed forever. They put themselves in this position. They understood in the moment that there was nothing going on that warranted a second or third warning, or else they might have done those things. Right. But, you know, the political football, as you said, uh, that ball got rolling and it became time to jump on board and try to steal that little bit of 15 minutes of infamy. Uh, and so, yeah, let's uh, let's issue a statement that the media can pick up about how I really am on the side of punishing all these people. Just disgraceful behavior by this institution. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really is problematic. And I did note, you know, like, look. There are prosecutors in this world that I know and 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 think very fondly of, but as a category, it's you know 
a little problematic. And <laughs> I will note that in the statement the professor gives is, as a former prosecutor, and I'm like, that tells me all I need to know about your, we can skip over the actual rule and punish people, right? <laughs> Which, I mean, that's a story that we don't even necessarily have on our, on our sheet, but I will throw out there just as a, a, a transition. Uh, we also last week had a situation where prosecutors in Texas started the process of getting an indictment for a woman before they read the statutes and said, oh, it yeah. appears as though this person didn't commit any crime. That's terrifying. But unfortunately, not something that shocked me all that much when I think of the broad category, not to slur any individual uh, prosecutors out there who might be doing good, good work, but uh, the whole category. This woman in Texas, they tried to put on murder charges for an abortion, despite the fact that the Texas murder statute has a carve out that specifically says this, this doesn't apply is not and yeah. apply to that situation. But they still felt like they could move forward with it. They could attempt to get uh, indictment. They arrested this woman for yeah. you know, like it, it was it, it, it's a problem. Anyway, the transition there being that this woman decided uh, at Yale decided that, you know, as a former prosecutor, I've decided that actually following the three warning protocol should not stand in the way of punishing people for something I don't like. Right. Yeah, it's it's real bad. Uh, unfortunately, Yale keeps keeps coming up. We had the incident uh, a while back ago about the Federalist Society throwing an official party, using some racist language in their invitation to that. Uh, this would be an opportunity for a school to say, hey, you're an officially recognized club and you're violating a series of rules and that's something that deserves some sort of sanction. Uh, instead, we got the braying of a bunch of morons about how this is the, the uh, an attack on free speech, which of course it isn't uh, in any conceivable way. What is, however, is when you say people aren't allowed to protest outside of an event with uh, someone that they don't like, uh, because right. that is the soul of free speech. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of cases about that. Yeah. Well, the other thing, uh, kind of transitioning away from Yale Go specifically. Go for it. Get uh, me away from them as soon yeah, as possible. You, you, <laughs> and, and when I say that, I, I, I should clarify, when I say that, if bad things happen at Yale, you obviously want to let me know. Uh, I will talk about it. When I say I'm upset with it, it is not that I don't want to talk about the situation. It's that I really wish in my heart of hearts that Yale would get their act together and you wouldn't have to be in the situation of always letting me know. Tips at AboveTheLaw.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you don't have to be in the position of constantly reaching out to me and saying, hey, check this out. Here's what reality was. Yeah, I think that I very much feel similarly about when shitty things, you know, we write about a lot of shitty things. I joked, you know, kind of unfortunately on multiple occasions that I have kind of a a niche writing about law school professors who decide to use the N-word in class. Yeah. Do I hate the fact that that is my niche? Yes. Will I write about it whenever I hear about it? Of course. Because it needs, yeah. Of course I mean, it need needs, to say these things. we need to be talking about it. Does it make me sad that it continues to be true in the year 2022? Yes. Yeah. Also true, but that that's the way that's the way it goes. Anyway, but, but your point was to transition. No, I, I was going to say, you know, I think it is interesting because it was an in person event, and we were talking at the top of the show oh, about yeah. kind of coming back to the in person. We stuff. are all about segues today. Wow, I'm, tr I'm working yeah, on no, it. Yeah, no, good, good. I mean, listen, yeah. that's, that's the kind of professionalism you come here for. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, no.
wow. Yeah. Am I like a bozo? Is that what you're doing? No, just a slide whistle. I mean, I wasn't going to hit the trumpet again because that has a specific role in our show. Do you do you want a different sound? No, no, that was. We can play around here. See if we can find. I think that we were fine. Uh, Okay. But I was going to talk just about coming back to uh, you know a little more sense of normalcy in the post-pandemic world. But one of the things is that we are above the law is once again running our law review contest. Oh, it's our annual one. tradition. Uh, so for folks maybe who aren't quite in law school yet or, for, you know, the law schools tend to have these shows that they put on, law reviews, where they do some skits or funny songs about things that happen in law school or the law or something like that. And Above the Law for, I don't know, 15, 16 years has run a competition for, you know, law school students uh, picking the best uh, song or skit or whatever uh, that happens as part of Law Review. And, you know, the fact that people are now back and these kinds of events are, are kind of returning to their old form is a great reason to, you know, continue to submit these things. You can do it on our website. Again, it's at it's tips at above the law.com. Uh, and, and if you are involved in your school's law review competition show, you can submit it to our competition and uh, have a lot of fun with, you know, putting it on our website. Yeah. Let's, let's blow this one up this year because, you know, we haven't had these sorts of shows in a while. And so a lot of students have missed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so since they've missed a couple and even of though them, the online, the online versions are just, you know, not quite as, yeah, not they just haven't quite... Not quite the same, not the same. So, you know, uh, since law students all over the country have missed some of these, you know, it's useful. You have a duty to not only entertain your own students, but mm-hmm. you can entertain students from all the law schools by making sure that you and, get you know, their stuff to alumni lawyers us. who still find them to be sure. quite, quite Sure, sure, sure. So get on that. The details are on our website, mm-hmm. uh, which is a thing you should be reading. Yeah, does that seem like a good place to begin another transition, like another seamless transition? We are just killing it's it. Unbelievable. Murdering yeah. it. I yeah. Well, I mean, I, I don't know about that. The transitions? Uh, yes, we are. Yeah. I okay. I mean, I don't know if there's a carve out in the statue. The point is <laughs> See, so, you did it again. I know. Call I know. back. I know. Look at you. It's You're amazing. Re- See, I, I take back my earlier insult that you were oh, not a really? professional. Aww. I mean, I'm still annoyed that you're going to try to interrupt me with more sound effects as, you know, this goes on. But, no. oh, I'm not going to talk because I think it's coming. No. Go for it. Okay. So, uh, I, <laughs> no, go. Uh, I do take back my earlier insult. You are, in fact, these transactions were really uh, top notch. Good job, uh, friend. Thank you. So, thank yeah, you. you should definitely be reading Above the Law. Yeah, you should read Above the Law. That way you yeah. get to hear these stories, you, you know. F- yeah, yeah, as yeah. they happen as in they real happen. time. Yeah, yeah, rather than hear how we talk about yeah, them The other way to kind of keep up with what's going on is by following us on Twitter. Oh, yeah? yeah do you yeah, have yeah. a Twitter account? I what do. is it? It's, it's at Catherine1. That's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N and then the numeral one. Yeah, I have one too. Oh, it's at Joseph Patrice. Yeah. Yes. And there's also the ATL official ATL account, which is at ATL blog. Yes. Yeah, you and, should and follow Chris, all of those. Chris is at Rights for Rent. He's not on the show, but you can also follow him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think on. that's a great way to keep keep up with what's going on. Uh, I think it's a wonderful way. Another good yeah. way would be to be subscribed so, oh, to yes. this show. So this way it gets downloaded directly to your phone. Right. right. So that way you'd get it right. immediately. And whatever your podcast listening service of choice is. Yeah, you'd get it immediately when it's scheduled yes. to come out, you which know, which in this later. case might be, yeah. well, not. All right. Yeah. You know what that was? Another callback. Callback. Anyway, so 
with that said, you should also check out Catherine's show because she has. A I show. also do yeah. another show, which is the Duo, which is yeah. about diversity issues in the law. Would love it's a little little more serious than this nonsense. Right, I'm on Legal Tech Week, the journalist roundtable about legal technology that mm-hmm. we run. It's a webinar we run on Fridays. Uh, me and all of the other legal tech reporters out there. I would say it's a little more serious too, but I don't know. It's more like Legal Tech Happy Hour. So uh, it's a fun a one. A good time was had by all. Uh huh. There's a bunch of other shows on the Legal Talk Network as well. Uh, some of them I occasionally pop on, yeah. especially and, some and of the conference coverage. When, when good times are had, you know what would be really great? Is what? Giving us a rating. Uh, not oh. That, oh, I mean, obviously we love the stars. Those make us super happy. But if you actually write down a whole review, that helps the show move up the algorithm and makes other makes it easier for other folks to find us as a legal podcast. I, I think that's fantastic advice. Yeah, I love it. It's great. Great news. News you can use. Yeah. And thanks to Posh for sponsoring the show. And with all of that and said. Thank you for listening. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I mean, I and let's give ourselves a little bit of applause, too, for hosting this show after. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that that happened. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, get just right. great. I'll, I'll I'll let it I'll let it ride. You'll allow it. I'll allow it. All right. Thanks. Uh great. Uh we will be back hopefully on our regular schedule next week. Uh until, until then. then yeah. Peace. Yeah, there you go.